going deep. I feel like Kalo on the Miami Heat. The words I speak off this sheet are like a three-peat. I don't just hop on a track. I bring running cleats. I'm a player for real, more than an athlete. Let my mama tell it. Could have ran for the Senate. Instead, I penned it for Donovan Bennett. I'm cemented. This a deep dive. In your headphones or a long drive. Up close and personal, just like you courtside. They ain't no out of bounds here. No offsides. We going live in one, two, three, four, five. You are now tuned in to Going Deep with Donovan Bennett. Thank you so much, Capital. This is Donovan Bennett. This is February 1st, which means it's the first day of Black History Month. It also means it's the day that Tom Brady retires every year because that's what he did last year. As you know now, he didn't stay retired, but he has retired once again. And evidently, he doesn't like Black History Month. He doesn't like the fact that I always have content dropping on February 1st because he overshadows it year after year. But we will talk about Black History Month, to be honest and bring you behind the curtain, that was what today's show was scheduled for. But we have an additional 27 days to cover that topic. So stay tuned to this space this week as we've got some great Black History Month content for you. But our thoughts are with Brady and his retirement. And is this for real? Why don't we listen to him? Because he claims I'm retiring for good. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring for good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time. So when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first. So I won't be long-winded. You only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year. So uh, really thank you guys so much to every single one of you for supporting me, my family, my friends, my teammates, my competitors. Uh, I could go on forever, there's too many. Um, thank you guys for allowing me to live my absolute dream. I wouldn't change a thing. So as you heard, you only get one super emotional retirement essay. He used his up last year, which means if he does stay retired this year, he's eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class in 2028, and clearly, he's a slam dunk, first ballot Hall of Famer as well. But what is his true legacy? Because there are so many chapters to it. The guy that took over for Drew Bledsoe and managed games while the Patriots special teams and defense were winning championships. The guy who was airing it out, throwing it deep to Randy Moss, setting records, but not winning, being upset as not an underdog anymore, but the juggernaut to the Giants. Then the guy who came back from 28-7 to win in sensational fashion when we thought maybe his best was past him. And then Tampa Tom, the guy who went to the Buccaneers and changed their program, winning for the first time without Bill Belichick. There's probably no one better to cover the different chapters of his career, put them in proper context, but also adjudicate his legacy relative to the great athletes, not in football, but in sports, the Ben Bolin. He's a senior NFL writer at the Boston Globe. He's an AP NFL voter, and he's been covering this sport since 2007. He has seen the best of Brady. Let's listen and learn from Ben as we go deep on all things Tom Brady. So, Ben, first 
things first. Is it real? Are we going to have this conversation next year? <laughs> um, certainly uh, not until the 2023 season kicks off in September is it going to be official. And we all know that <laughs> uh, guys, they always get the itch come training camp. But I, I do think this one is for real. I don't even know if September means it's real. Like based off of what we saw in the NFC championship game, I could see Brady going to Goodell and saying, Hey, listen, if you need an emergency QB, I'll just stand on the sidelines with an NFL logo uh, and jump in. If, if teams have injuries at the position and, and I say that half kidding, but I've always looked at him as someone who might be still playing because he's afraid of what's next. Yeah. I mean, I do think he was someone who was afraid of what's after football. It's, it's for a, it got to a point where it's all he knew. And I think it is going to hit him in August, but you know, the, I, I think for him, he's got to be all in or all out. And I, I don't think he's going to be all in this off season, as far as training and diet, and doing what he needs to do to get ready for the season. And I don't think it's something that he's just going to pick up in August. So I, I do think he's done. And, and, and I do believe him this time. It, it seems very sincere because it does seem like he would have options. I mean, between the, you know, certainly going back to the Buccaneers or the Raiders, the Niners, the Jets, the Titans. I mean, you'd think there'd be a team out there that would want Tom Brady and he, he has opportunities. So I, I do think this is real and just the weight of last season, I think it, it became probably too much for him. Yeah, he's got plenty of opportunities next. The, the Fox deal is, is obvious, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him heavily involved in Arizona next week at the Super Bowl, whether, you know, I don't think it'll be during the game, but certainly pregame and perhaps, you know, the days leading up to the game. I do think Brady will be there. He's got his TB12 fitness. He's got Brady brand clothing. He's got an NFT company, a video production company. He's got a lot of things going on, and you know now now that his divorce is final too, I think he's probably trying to find himself and you know discover what who he's going to be now after after that and after his football career. So um, he, he's got a lot going on, but uh, he I I do think he's going to get the itch like all the players do, but I, he's just not going to do. I, I can't see him doing the preparation that he needs to do to get ready for the season. Can we pour a sip out for Greg Olson? I was so looking forward to him having the Super Bowl, and now we're all going to be talking about you know, Tom Brady uh, and his relationship with Fox. As we put Brady's career in perspective, clearly a first ballot Hall of Famer with him and J.J. Watt retiring. Those are two spots taken up already in 2028, if my quick math is correct what for you is the standout takeaway of his career and his legacy? The longevity and the durability is uh, just incredible. I mean, obviously winning seven Super Bowls, going to 10, all that stuff, all the records, that's all that's incredible. You know, some of the numbers might ultimately be broken by a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know about the Super Bowls, but all the, all the stats, but Brady, Every single Sunday showed up. He missed one season, 2008, where he tore his ACL in the first quarter of week one. Um, a guy in the Chiefs goes diving right into his knee. So it's not like Brady did anything there. He misses 15 games that year, and then he missed four games due to Deflategate, that suspension in 2016. Otherwise, between 2001 and 2022, he showed up every single Sunday. He was the most durable quarterback, was always there for his team, and played through a lot of injuries. 
they they won that NFC that AFC championship game against the Jaguars where his thumb was almost ripped off of his hand during in, in practice that week and he had it all bandaged up and taped up and um you know his knee obviously after that ACL surgery gave him some issues and he, that guy always showed up always played was there for his team every single week and to you know you know no quarterback had ever really done it after age 40 he he became the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl, and he he won two of them after age forty, and he played all the way to forty five, and I think still could have kept going at forty six and beyond. So his longevity and durability, and the way he was just always there in the lineup for his team, was to me is to me the most impressive thing about Tom Brady, and what will always set him apart from everyone else. Well, it's funny he's had different chapters to his career, but if you took a snapshot of his twenties his 30s, or even post-40. Individually, those are all essentially Hall of Fame careers on their own. I had a conversation um, on air where I said, I know his accomplishments are the highest and probably will never be matched. But the level of play at his best, Patrick Mahomes is at, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. When you compare the greats, is there an appraisal in terms of what Brady's peak was relative to the scenario that was around him that allowed him to win so much? I'm sorry. I'm the, so yes, the different iterations of the Patriots dynasty, I'd, I'd say the first part when he was a young quarterback, he wasn't solely a caretaker, but that was a more complete team built with defense, offensive line, um, Brady was, uh, I think, a very clutch player, but he wasn't the elite quarterback in those early days. Whereas the the you know, and you get to 2007 for his first MVP season, he first quarterback to throw for 50 touchdowns. Randy Moss that record breaking year. I mean, they just took the league by storm that year, and from that point on, Brady was just you know he became the franchise. And they they remade the roster so many times over the years, and they still never went more than like three years without a Super Bowl appearance. And you know, they, to to have a second dynasty, you know, going into the 2014 season, that was his. <laughs> that's going to be his the 15th year of his career. He's only got you know he hadn't won in a decade. There were questions, and they just draft Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in in the second round, and he's breathing right down his neck. And then to go on a run of four Super Bowls in five years, winning three of them. Again, the longevity to, to play well with all these different teammates and guys, you know, Julian Edelman was a seventh round pick and, you know, Danny Amendola was an undrafted guy that, you know, they signed from elsewhere. And um, Rob Gronkowski, there were questions with his back. Is he ever going to be much? I mean, Brady just, you know, he, he, I think Belichick was probably responsible for the early dynasty. And I think Brady really was the, the engine of, of the second dynasty and, um, you know, and, we, and you see it now, his uh, effect on the Patriots, you see it now that he's gone. The team doesn't play as well in December. They don't um, protect the football as well. They make weird mistakes at the end of the game to lose. They commit penalties. They're just not a disciplined team now without Tom Brady. Um, so, you know, he's just, he's the greatest to ever do it. And, um, and it's not just because of the way he throws the football, but just everything he's meant to the teams that he's been on. Um, and like I said, the durability to, to be there every Sunday is just, you know, what, what sets him apart from everyone else. Well, the two teams that he's left, the Patriots and now the Buccaneers, 
when he's there, you expect them to compete for a championship. Now he's gone and without the benefit of free agency in the draft, looking at them now, we don't know if they'll make the playoffs. Where do the Bucks and the Pats go uh, this offseason? Well, the Pats are, are almost certainly going to be sticking with Mac Jones. You know, he'll be entering the third year of his rookie contract. So, you know, making very short money next year, a couple million dollars. He didn't have a very good season, but there were obvious questions about the coaching he was getting, the talent around him. Uh, so it's going to be a big year for Mac Jones, but he'll still be the quarterback next year. And they, you know, they hired Bill O'Brien as the offensive coordinator to give him more experience coaching. They're going to make more additions to the staff, hopefully get him another receiver or two. So this will be a big prove it year now for Mac Jones in year three uh, after a disappointing 2022 season. As for the Bucs, they are in quarterback purgatory. They don't really have the answer on the, on the roster. They used a second-round pick on Kyle Trask a couple of years ago, and he has not developed the way they've wanted him to. He's still stuck, I think, as the third-string quarterback. They're certainly, you know, they could go trade for Derek Carr or try to get Jimmy Garoppolo, though I, I, I would doubt that. I would think Derek Carr might make a little more sense. Um, the draft could be an option, but the Buccaneers, they got to find someone because right now they are absolutely without a quarterback with, with uh, Tom Brady now retiring. So the Bucs, it's going to be a big transition year now for them. What lesson in terms of evaluating players and QBs can we learn from Brady's success, we often talk about that he was overlooked and he was drafted late, and now he's got you know, seven championships. But I strongly feel if Tom Brady was entering this draft class right now, we would be saying a lot of the same things about him now as we did back then. Is there something intangible about evaluating the most important position in sports that we should learn from Brady's success? I think if if people knew how to replicate it, they would do it, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we see it this year, Brock Purdy for the Niners came in. He was the very last pick in the seventh round and had a, was excellent for the Niners. So you never, it just shows how inexact the science is of evaluating these players and how tough it is to transition from college to pros and to project it. it, it I don't think people realize college football is a very different game all the way around from the NFL because the way the field is spaced and, and the, the complexity of defenses that you face in the NFL compared to college, it is a very, very difficult projection. And I don't think any more difficult than the quarterback position. We see guys drafted high all the time who are bust. Mitchell Trubisky went before Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And then Tom Brady is a sixth-round pick. And even the Patriots will admit they, they had no idea. You know, that, that was a, a total lottery pick for them that, that he ended up being a good player from pick 199. So I, I think if there were concrete lessons to be learned, boy, you'd see teams left and right being able to replicate that. I think all it teaches us is how inexact the whole thing is, and the draft is really um, a difficult projection and almost like a crapshoot for these teams. You really never know how these guys are going to handle the jump to the next level. Before I let you go, I'd love for you to put his career and what he did in football in comparison and context with what we've seen across sports, because it strikes me watching his early highlights, like this guy was playing on AstroTurf when he started. Like that's how long he's been good in a sport where NFL stands for not for long. I know we talk about the greats in other sports, but what he did specifically in this sport, how does it compare to what you've seen by other 
all-time goats? That's the thing. I mean, you know, Albert Pujols played a long time in Major League Baseball. Uh, was he single-handedly, you know, carrying his team to World Series at the end? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, Cal Ripken had the longevity, but he wasn't winning titles like Tom Brady did. I mean, again, for Brady redefined what it means to be an athlete in his 40s. That's an age where your body breaks down and you just can't do it anymore. And he won two Super Bowls after age 40 and was um, – you know, like nothing about his performance this year was physical. He led the league in pass attempts and set a new NFL record with 733 pass attempts this year. So, um, you know, he got more championships than Michael Jordan. Um, I know football is the ultimate team sport, but Brady, you know, single-handedly, you know, led his, not led his team to victory, but was the reason that his teams won so many championships. And, so I, I I don't know off the top of my head if there is a, a good comparison to anyone like Brady. He's he's unique unto himself, and um, I'm not sure we're going to see a, a champion like him for a long time. And lastly, before I let you go, how good do you think he'll be at what we do? There's been many a star athlete who hasn't transitioned well into broadcasting, and there's been some unsung athletes who have. Do you think, given being around him and knowing a bit of his personality, that he'll be good uh, with Fox? Uh, so good as an announcer means honest and uh, <laughs> being a little critical. And so that's always been tough for Brady. He's always been very political down the middle. Doesn't like to start too many controversies. Um, so, and he's admitted that's the thing he's going to have to work hardest on is, is giving opinions and saying maybe a negative thing or two about a play or a coach or something like that. So, it, but he, you know, he, he does his podcast a lot and he's, We've seen him let down his guard a little bit. He can, he, I'm sure, has so much fascinating insight to share, and we'll probably see some of it this week. I mean, talk about there's no better guy to talk about what it's like to face the Eagles in the Super Bowl, what it's like to face Andy Reid in the Super Bowl, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, what's, what it's like to play these guys. Um, so he's just got so much knowledge that uh, I, I think he can, he, he would like to share. So I do think he'll be good, but he does need to work on the honesty thing a little bit. Yeah, oddly enough, uh, he can't relate to the two QBs who are coming in somewhat banged up because despite the longevity that TB12 method works, uh, he's been able to stay upright and healthy. Um, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time breaking down his career because I know it is a busy day in busy time. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much to Ben, a Hall of Famer himself. You can get his work at the Boston Globe. Give him a follow, Ben Volin, B-E-N-V-O-L-I-N. He's got a pinned tweet right now talking about Brady's secret plan to go to Miami, and he's pushing out Brady content as we speak. So glad that he carved out a little bit of time. He was actually talking to CNN before he talked to us, so it shows you the type of class that we're in. Carved out a little bit of time to holler at us about Tom Terrific. More Brady talk after the break. Stay with us. My name is Lucille Bryan. I'm Clifton Bryan. My grandson is a show. And I'm so happy that you are listening to Gondi with Donovan Bennett. I'm so glad that you had the show. Thank you. Thank you so much, Grandma and Granddad, who have been retired for a minute. It's all about retirement today as we talk about Tom Brady, who has been retired for just over an hour. 
couple hours at this point. What does this retirement mean? And how do the people in Boston who had a loving relationship with him but maybe didn't love his exit so much, how do they receive this news? How do they feel about him? Well, we got to holler at Buck in Boston. Steve Buckley, who is writing for The Athletic and has a column coming out about Brady's retirement and career, but putting the legal pad down for a moment to talk to us about what the Massachusetts faithful feel about Tom Brady. Steve Buckley, I'm going deep. You are in the Boston area, so I have to get your perspective on Tom Brady. And first and foremost, I want to know, what are the feelings around Brady you know, in Massachusetts right now? And w- w- would those feelings have been appreciably different if he didn't have another chapter to his career in Tampa Bay? I think w- what all sports fans do is, is obviously when a guy leaves your team, there's a great deal of emotions. And, you know, I, the guy I always fall back on is Johnny Damon, who played with the Red Sox, played on a World Series winning team in 04, often played in pain. I mean, the poor guy couldn't lift his arm over his shoulder and he was playing every day toward the end of his time in Boston. He leaves, he signs at the Yankees, you know, he comes back to Boston, boo, we hate Johnny and all that. Um, and yet when he comes back now, you know, he gets cheered. Uh, Roger Clemens comes back now. He gets cheered, gets cheered mightily. And and I I think once the final accounting is in place, Patriots fans, if if they're not going to dwell on the fact that he left the Patriots or even that he won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, what they are going to dwell on, what they should, is that, Lordy, this guy won six Super Bowls here. And, And the Patriots were a bad franchise for a long, long, long time. And they're and I grew up here and I saw the Red Sox play at Fenway Park at, at Boston University Field at BC. I saw the Patriots play at Harvard Stadium in 1970. So they were bouncing all over the place. Um, they were finally turning the corner as Brady was arriving because they already had the new ownership in place with Kraft. Gillette Stadium was already being built. But Brady and Belichick took them to a high level with all those Super Bowl victories. And I think that's what Pats fans. Uh, I'm going to remember. How is the appraisal of Brady and what he has done impact the feelings and appraisal of Bill Belichick and, to a lesser extent, Josh McDaniels? Is there a feeling that things haven't been the same since he left? Well, yes, because things haven't been the same since he left. So there is, in point of fact, that feeling. I can't disagree with that, the way you phrased it. But... Listen, every time something goes wrong with Bill Belichick, and Lord knows lots went wrong in the last couple of years, people, particularly outside of Boston, are more than happy to raise the flag that Belichick has never won anything without Brady. Uh, this was his record in Cleveland. This is his record since Brady left. Oh, he's, a, he's just an average coach. What that misses, and I always try to point this out, it's, it's not that – Belichick won with Brady. It's what Belichick and Brady won together. To to do the this is what Belichick has won without Brady assumes that Brady was going to win those six Super Bowls with the Patriots anyway. That is illogical. If you go strictly on logic, you you have to say that 
Brady and Belichick as a tandem, it was the perfect storm of coach and quarterback for a long time. Yes, Brady won another Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Good for him. And yes, Belichick hasn't won a Super Bowl without Brady. Those are undeniable facts as well. I choose to believe that that there was a, a, a working perfection with those two for two decades that resulted in six Super Bowl championships. That's how I look at it. So certainly your WordPress is going to be busy today, putting his career and legacy in context. I hope maybe you save the drafts of what you wrote <laughs> a year ago on this day, because if we were talking, we would have been having a similar conversation, which leads me to my next question. Is he done? And if so, why? Because for me, I don't know about you. There's only so long I could eat avocado ice cream and pretend to like it. Like at some point, you should want to stop being hit and move on to the rest of your life. But I've always seen Brady as someone who's afraid of what that next chapter is. I don't know if we ever see him in a Fox booth. Why do you think we're getting this news now? And will this news be permanent? Well, first off, kudos to you for the cultural reference on the avocado ice cream. It shows that you've been following man's off the field endeavors over the years. Um, and by the way, I've tried avocado ice cream. There's a place near my house that made it in honor of Brady. It, I thought it was terrible. If you're going to eat ice cream, eat ice cream. Don't 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 dally around with something other than real ice cream. Amen, you know, brother. Go get go get peppermint ice cream. Go get I would, you know no get ice cream, caramel ice cream. Get ice get real ice cream. So let's begin there. Um, is as far as Brady goes. I'm, I think the mere, and I'm actually, this is exactly what I'm writing uh, at The Athletic, but the mere slapdash of it, the fact that it's a 53-second video, might have been shot by one of his kids. You can hear the ocean in the background. Um, I, I think that I sense a realness to it, um, partly because he is getting up there in age. I mean, he had a fine season. It, just, it was a bad team. Maybe he could have played another season. But I'm guessing here, and this is strictly a guess, and I'll put the word guess in all uppercase. I think he's got other stuff going on in his life, his family situation, his wife and his kids, that perhaps preclude his ability to be all in as an NFL quarterback. Now, you have every right. I invite you to replay what I just said six months from now when he's in training camp with the 49ers or something. Um, But at the moment, on this Wednesday, cold, chilly Wednesday morning in Boston, that's the way I feel. Well, it's funny because you said if you're going to eat ice cream, eat ice cream. And I feel like that is how I look at this chapter of his career. If you're going to be a football player, be a football player. You can't have Wednesdays off. You can't take a two-week sabbatical in training camp. And I look at Aaron Rodgers not willing to work out with his young receivers in the offseason in the same way. Is this as much about him not being able to be the man in the arena uh, all in the way he has talked about in many a docuseries, Tom versus Time? Uh, Is this kind of him realizing I I can't just cut corners with this? That's interpretive. Uh, Brady's not going to answer that question, or if he has answered it, I, I wasn't in the room at the time. And however number of listeners you have, however number of readers I have, each one of them will have to mull that question. It's uh, that's that's a that's a very tricky question with a very tricky answer. Well, 
The number of listeners I have has gone up because you've joined. Uh, I, I, <laughs> there you go. I, they all will be flocking to The Athletic to read what you're writing about him, how you are giving us perspective uh, on all things in, in sports, uh, NHL, NFL, uh, and otherwise. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's my pleasure. It is our pleasure. Steve Buckley at Buck in Boston is the follow. And as he mentioned many times, he's writing for The Athletic right now as he's a columnist for The Athletic, also the author of Wicked Good Year. Show 10,000 words he's putting down on Tom Brady? Somewhere, somewhere around there, yeah. Crazy. So make sure to follow, make sure to consume that. When it comes out, we will double back and make sure that you can find it via the show notes of this podcast. If you're listening to the podcast right now, thank you. Feel free to listen, favorite, share, subscribe. If you're listening on radio, thank you. Make sure to subscribe so that you can get it wherever you are on demand. So many places to go with what he said, but most importantly, peppermint ice cream? <laughs> what, what, what is your go-to ice cream flavor? Because I, I do love me some ice cream, but peppermint is way down on the queue. Not as far down as avocado, okay. which is just off the board. Yeah, no one's eating that. What's the one that's the three flavors? Is it Neapolitan? Is that the one that's the three? It's like a, it's like pink, white, and, and brown. That's the... Lance is weighing in. Yeah, okay. Please, Lance. Inform Neapolitan, us. strawberry, okay. vanilla, Neapolitan. chocolate. Oh, right. that's, that's my go-to. What's your go-to, Lance? Uh, ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia. Wow, very Cherry specific. Garcia. Okay, very <laughs> So I am a uh, cookie dough guy but okay. i'm just i'm just fishing for the cookie dough essentially oh so you're not eating the ice cream you're just well, i mean i am okay i'm not as bad as my wife who will take my cookie dough eat the little cookie dough bits out of it and then give it back uh, but i also <laughs> when i was young i was a maple walnut guy but in that case yeah i no use for these walnuts like yeah. i'm just spitting them out uh, as if i'm a uh, 80s baseball player with a dip in. Uh, let's talk about the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, the, the 2020s, uh, Tom Brady, because he has great, great uh, longevity. Your biggest Brady memory as a Patriots fan, growing up in a Patriots family is what? Boy, that's a good question. I think it's, it's hard not to think of the tuck rule. It's so hard not to think of that. Charles Woodson, it's really hard. Yeah, I think uh, I, 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 have to, I have to admit, I love seeing the interviews where they talk to each other over the years. And it's like all these years later, they just seem to just still kind of talk around it almost, uh, which I, I totally 1000% get. Um, I don't know. I think the obviously when I think it was late September 2001 and he uh, Drew Bledsoe took the hit from Mo Lewis, the Jets linebacker, and, and Brady comes in. And there's a great book written by, I believe it was ESPN's Seth Wickersham that I got for my birthday a couple of years ago. And it was about the Patriots dynasty and like the one of the very first chapters. A lot of it was about how like Kraft buys the stadium, bought, you know, bought what later becomes the Patriots home base and then turns it into Gillette a, a couple of blocks away and so on. But a big part of the player's, uh, accounting of it was from Bledsoe and Mo Lewis and 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 Brady himself when he comes in, and it's I, it's hard not to think about that because one of my like one of the favorite players in my household growing up was Drew Bledsoe, and so I think when he when he went out with injury and he almost died, he had the internal bleeding near his heart. I think a lot of people were like, oh. Brady, like we have to see this guy, like boo, no one wants. I want to see the number one overall pick. I want to see Drew Bledsoe play. 
And uh, suffice to say, I think basically everyone in my family was wrong about that. So, but I mean, not, not that I'm complaining by any means. I, uh, but yeah, uh, throughout the years, the the obviously the wins and the Super Bowls, and you know, seeing. Uh, I know, I know. Like the the Atlanta Falcons Super Bowl, for example, is up there for a lot of people, and so is the 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 Seahawks Super Bowl. But I remember one particular game. I, I guess it, I think it was in the AFC Divisional Round against the Baltimore Ravens. It was at, in in Foxborough, and Brady did like they they did like the double pass. Like he drops back to pass, throws the throws what looks like a screen pass to Julian Edelman, who takes one step forward, and then he he steps back, and he was well behind the line, and then he launches. A ball himself to Danny Mandola for uh, for the pass that tied the game. I remember on CBS, like the camera was shaking, like the building was going so crazy it was shaking. Uh, that was pretty fun to watch. I actually went to Foxborough the one time I went to go see him play in person in Boston. Uh, Brady threw a game winning touchdown pass to Argos legend Cambrell Tompkins with like seconds remaining, seconds to go after being picked off like twice in the last like ninety seconds of the game, and he got the ball back. They beat the Saints. Sean Payton was very sad, and uh, I, I screamed until my I ran out of voice, basically. So it's it's funny because there are so many different Brady memories uh, that you can conjure up, but for me, they weren't necessarily on the field. Sure. I, I, to me, it's the different chapters of Brady's that we got because there was the Patriots Brady, CEO of the franchise, following the lead of Bill Belichick, not saying too much, but getting really excitable for no reason, kind of a bit of a nerd. This is him from the parade when the Patriots had won their fifth Super Bowl championship and he's trying to rile the crowd up, but doesn't really land. Thank you, guys. We do it for you. Like, I feel like he just went to Google and it's like championshipparadespeech.com. <laughs> we do it for you. We do it for... Like, what, what are you even talking about? Like, no, you don't do it for them. And then the, like, proverbial let's go scream that, like, for, <laughs> for some reason has just become a scream of athletes in sports and pivotal moments. Like, if you ever watch a tennis match and, you know, break point, huge return volley... And, like, some tennis player who, like, doesn't speak English somehow screams, let's go, because it's just what we scream in sports. And so Brady is is followed the, the same mantra. But then you get Tom celebrating championship number seven, but most importantly, first one without the Patriots. And if you give him a bit of truth serum, I bet it's the one that he likes the most. And he's out here on a boat, not in freezing cold temperatures in New England. Not with a parka and a scarf. He's wearing a floral T-shirt, pastel colors, and he's throwing the Vince Lombardi trophy from one boat to the other where he had Rob Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, and 
um, Mike Evans all there to catch. So I, I suppose he figured jump ball. One of my great receivers was going to come down with it. And they did. But to me, it was just a perfect picture on the fact that he was not man in the arena. He was a piece of the machine of the Patriots. And then removed from it, he's got a podcast. He's taking a day off of practice once a week. He's giving us a bit more of his personality, making jokes, dissing Charles Barkley when they golf together, and throwing silverware from one boat to the other. So to me, it's more about his metamorphosis off the field. But we should give credence to the numbers. Seven Super Bowl wins, five Super Bowl MVPs, three NFL MVPs, 15 Pro Bowls, six All-Pros. He finishes with the most career wins, most career passing yards, most career passing TDs, and he made the playoffs in 20 of 21 seasons he was the starter. I don't think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, despite all of those numbers. Certainly the best winner, and most importantly, I think he was the most clutch. Is that fair? I think so. I would. I definitely think he is the most clutch quarterback I, I personally have ever seen. I think he makes it into the Hall of Fame over Russell Wilson. Don't upset me, please. <laughs> we've had. I, I don't really like Brady. I'm not a Brady truther, but we've had such a nice time. And yeah, no, yes, he, he's definitely making in ahead of Russell Wilson. And, and again, in 2028, there's two people going in. Yeah, JJ Watt, yeah. And Tom Brady. So you're gonna have a backlog. For a while. So all of these borderline people, and certainly Russell Wilson is not retiring anytime soon that we know of, but, you know, Philip Rivers, you better get in before Brady because you're certainly not getting in afterwards. There, it'll be interesting to see who comes through the queue in terms of uh, a Hall of Fame uh, over the next five plus years. Do you think when it comes to the Patriots, and Tom Brady specifically, and I, I suppose you can make this argument for his Buccaneers career as well, but in the end, he's, he's only going to have played for two teams. Whereas, like, I think you'd asked me this question like 12 months ago. I think I would have legitimately said maybe he plays for like two more teams on top of this. 12 right? months ago, 12 hours ago. Yeah. The, the biggest story in talk sports radio yesterday was Brady to the 49ers. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were talking about. Could they put Brock Purdy on the shelf to the second half of the year, trade Trey Lance? That, that blows up that storyline, again, for now. For now, yeah. Tom Brady. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, yeah, no, you're right. Like like Steve said, if we're talking in training camp uh, in the summer that Brady is uh, warming up with, with Christian McCaffrey, I don't think we'll, <laughs> anyone will be super surprised. But I, I do think that one of the most interesting things about Tom Brady's career, because he won, even if you leave the Bucks Super Bowl out of it, but hard not to, six Super Bowls with the Patriots, one with the Bucks. I think he, he has permanently, at least for me, skewed the idea of what it means to be successful in a team sport. Just because, like at least in our lifetimes, because before Tom Brady, if your team won, what, one championship, two championships, you probably feel pretty good about it. Uh, and, and again, like there have been teams in other sports that have won many, many championships. Like, for example, the Michael Jordan Bulls or the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, for example, like those obviously those teams existed and they also did their fair bit of skewing when it comes to, you know, what what winning a championship does for someone's legacy. But it's so interesting these days to hear people talk about a QB who wins like one Super Bowl and like one Super Bowl MVP. And it's like, is that guy a Hall of Famer? And I mean, there are there are plenty of QBs who have like one Super Bowl ring. 
who will probably never get into the Hall of Fame, like like a Joe Flacco or something like that, right? I think Matthew Stafford is like right on the cusp, for example, as well. But you you look at a lot of these guys, and I think you're in in the era we live in, especially in the salary cap era, the view of what rings do for someone's argument to get into the Hall of Fame have been skewed really heavily because I think the expectations for winning a championship is are are higher because the Patriots did it over a long period of time and relatively consistently. Yeah, the conversation has been so binary for so long. Dan Marino doesn't have one. He needs to get one to be legitimate. John Elway, right. for a while, didn't get have one, needed to get one to be legitimate. Then Trent Dilfer wins one. I'm like, oh, I guess we got to change the equation because right. it can't be that simple. But there are levels to this. There are plateaus. There's a bunch of guys who have one. Aaron Rodgers... Brett Favre, then there is the echelon of players who have two. John Elway uh, leads that class, and then Troy Aikman separates himself with three, and then it's just Joe Montana and then Tom Brady with 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 seven, like lapping the field. And so it skews how we look at uh, Patrick Mahomes because if he gets his second, takes him into. Uh, another stratosphere. Well, we, well, you look at the the contemporaries of Brady as well, right? Like for guys who were drafted not that long after him, like Big Ben and Eli Manning. Yep. Both of those guys have two Super Bowl rings, and obviously Eli Manning won both of his rings at the expense of Tom Brady specifically. Yep. Like there's a world. I mean, there's probably a world in which Tom Brady has like zero Super Bowl rings, and there's also an alternate reality in which he has like eleven Super Bowl rings, which is absurd. Well, uh, I, I mean, I think there's a real chance there's a world that Tom Brady has zero Super Bowl rings if the Tuck Rule is ruled right, differently. Right, right. Think about it. The Raiders end up winning that championship. There's a real butterfly effect that happens. John Gruden probably stays yeah. with the Raiders. And so the Bucks never win. The Bucks never win. Do the Patriots go back to Drew Bledsoe? And thus Tom Brady is a backup, a high priority free agent, and he maybe becomes Jimmy Garoppolo somewhere else. Like it's a real conversation. Or maybe he finds a way to make a play later in the game and Venetieri makes a similar kick, uh, so on and so forth. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's life, right? It is not to go any given Sunday, but uh, it is a game of inches. Uh, and the inches we need are certainly all around us. Shout out to Al Pacino. <laughs> the fascinating thing about Brady that separates him, though, is the longevity. We talk about Hall of Fame. He had Hall of Fame careers in three different decades. Tom Brady in his 20s. 21,564 passing yards, 147 passing TDs, three Super Bowl wins. Tom Brady in his 30s, 40,018 passing yards, 309 passing TDs, two Super Bowl wins. You see how the game changed in the in, in, when he was in his 30s. Tom Brady in his 40s, and he did not play until he was 50, so this is not the benefit of the full decade. 27,632 passing yards, more passing yards in his 40s than in his 20s. 193 passing TDs, more passing yard, more passing TDs in his 40s than his 20s, and two Super Bowl wins in his 40s. The longevity for me, most, including his, most marriages don't last that long. So the fact that he's been married to the game at such a high level, at for me the hardest position in sports, I think. Uh, is to me his ultimate legacy. I think you're right. I think you're right for sure. I remember there was a uh, 
boy, there was a Monday night football game a, a number of years ago, well before he he joined the Bucks. I think it was maybe right around the time of the 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 second Patriots Rams Super Bowl. But he it was it was Tariko and Gruden on Monday Night Football, and he said something about like they they made the joke about the word pliable, and they made they talked about the, t- talked about how pliable he was constantly, and that became almost like a meme that has followed Brady around his entire career. And shortly after that, and I think this goes along with the whole longevity thing, which is why you were you and Steve were joking about like the avocado ice cream and like not eating tomatoes and all the various things he done. Maybe he'll eat tomatoes now. I don't know. Maybe he'll put tomatoes on his pizza when he right. when he uh, when he when he hangs out with his kids, but. Uh, he, he, he did the whole TB12 method and the whole the writing the book and founding the company with, with, uh, Alex Guerrero is his longtime trainer and so on. Okay. It's it, the long, that's definitely a part of the longevity. I, it's also kind of why I'm not sold on him being an analyst long-term. Cause I almost feel like he's going to go and I don't, like, you know, go in and, and sell these plans to other NFL players. Like not, not exactly. I'm not saying he's going to become some kind of agent or anything like that, but I, I would be, Kind of surprised, I guess, if if even if he does it for the Super Bowl, great this year, fine. But I would be surprised if he does it long term. I know the allure of being paid like hundreds of millions of dollars by Fox is like hard to pass up. But I mean, he's already made hundreds of millions of dollars. How much more? How much more can money really buy at this stage? Well, the f- interesting thing is, in his own former relationship, he wasn't the breadwinner. Like supermodel money is next level. It is. He will make more. As a broadcaster, if he fulfills that contract, then he did as a player. Now, a big part of that is he routinely took less money as a Patriot so that they could build the roster around him. Mm -hmm. Again, I think part of his legacy is when you look at modern-day QBs, the highest-paid players are not often those who win championships. Players either win on their rookie deals. Yep. Russell Wilson. Maybe Jalen Hurts. Maybe Jalen Hurts, uh, Aaron Rodgers early in his career. Patrick Mahomes did earlier. Patrick Mahomes did, and he's trying not to. He might be the outlier. But similar to Brady, Mahomes took less than his market value, signed a long-term contract, which clearly was going to be below market value pretty quickly, and it already is. I look at that through the lens of the real discussion that we've talked about in this space the Baltimore Ravens have with Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. And how do you pay top dollar at the position, given that we've seen for the balance of Tom Brady's career, that it's tough to win that way. Three out of the four QBs in the final four this year were on their rookie deals. And so I, I think that aspect in terms of the economics and having a template based off of what Brady did, never setting the market, because ultimately if you win that money will come to you in legacy after the fact, and that's the case with Brady, the broadcasting. I don't know if we ever see him in the broadcast booth one because I think Greg Olson is already outstanding. He's great. He, he might be the best for me if I had to sit down and pick one analyst you know, f- to listen to for three or four hours. And I don't know if Brady will want to be the second best in a booth. I don't know if you pay Brady all that money and you go to a three-person booth. I don't know if he wants to see him trending because people want the Cowboys Giants game on Fox to be Olsen and not Brady. And he's, you know, not the number one guy. So we'll see. I think he's one of those people who is, this is a real thing, is afraid of retirement and what's next. I think that's not unique to sports that happens every day in life. There's listeners right now who are afraid of that next chapter and filling that void and and needing something to do. I can't imagine that it is like I am hopefully, far from retirement but i suppose i'm 
you know, one slip up on air away from uh, being retired. But I, I can't imagine not having something to get up and do every day. Uh, before we go, the Patriots social got up today. And they chose not violence, but wit. They quote tweeted their uh, Tom Brady tribute tweet from a year ago and just said, quite the ride indeed. Thank you again, Tom Brady. So they didn't even put up a new post. They didn't do a new graphic, nothing. Uh, so shout out to them. Shout out to you for listening. Thank you, show, for joining us on this ride. Um, Think we ever see another Tom Brady? In the salary cap era? I think the, the one we might see is the guy playing on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, probably the closest. We'll see. We'll ask our guests throughout the week. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been fun.